Hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, how are you? I'm uh, very excited today because uh, one of my favorites is here back again. He's at Caroline's tonight, one tomorrow, of. and Saturday. Mm. He's the star. Why do, I, why do I get the one of, man? My favorite all-time comedic actor, <laughs> David Allen Greer, is here. Dag! What's up, man? How are you, bro? I'm good. Um, you're at Caroline's all weekend. Yes, I am. Have you ever at any point faded from the stand-up part of things, or have you always been active in that? Mm, I have. I mean, it's always something more or less. Prop this, this year is probably the least amount of shows I'm going to do uh, since I started, just because I was doing other stuff, you know? Doing the Carmichael show for the first uh, half of the year, then I did a, I just wrapped a game show. Oh, hosting and, a game uh, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For uh, for <laughs> cable network was. Uh, it's for GSN. We're gonna try and go national uh, after this initial run. Okay. Yeah. What kind of game show? Snap judgment. You know, people talking crazy stuff, and you got to guess what they're saying. Uh, would this woman from Queens say the following? Lucy from Ohio. For a hundred dollars, let's go. Wrong. Did you? She did you, would not date a black man <laughs> ever. You know, stuff like that. It's funny. It's funny. Um, that's a good. I feel like uh, game show. That kind of vibe can be good for you. Well, it's you have all a lot about. Of it's all about people working on prejudice, and you have to make a judgment about some something everybody does all day. We don't want to admit it, but that's what the show is about. In a nutshell. And it's fun, you know. You you uh, you really came in the game like well prepared for a variety of things. You're classically trained, correct? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you're a comedian. Yeah, I went you... to Yale School of Drama. Show up, um, show up. <laughs> I always put that online like show up. Yeah. This yeah. is me last night hanging with Jay Z. Show up. Yeah. Show up. <laughs> but um, I, you know what? Variety. You have to. Those actors that I love and that I admired are are performers and artists who have been able to traverse a lot of mediums. And it, it seems like the environment we're in now, you're allowed to do that. Uh, people accept it, you know, back in the day day, you know, in the 70s or 80s, if you did a TV show, it was just written in stone. You cannot do a movie because you're on TV. You're a TV star. Yeah. If you do a game show, you cannot do this because you've done that. And everybody's doing everything now. And A-list actors do commercials. Like yes. Everything's different. Yeah. Jamie Foxx has an Oscar, and he's like, okay, let's beat Shazam. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, that's so true. Let me get true. some of this. That's an advertisement this. and a game show all tied into <laughs> one, and he's an A-list actor. Yeah, so it's fun. It's fun to traverse those mediums, and, and I just feel like uh, nothing, I don't feel pigeonholed or blocked in, and it really, I try to help and and mentor younger actors and performers. That's what it is. Don't be so focused on this one path to success that literally you walk through a field of diamonds clutching stones. You know what I mean? Right. I got to get to... I'm on, you know, I got to get to this point. And there's all these other opportunities. They're right there for you. And, and you yeah. could still end up at that spot, but exactly. you better grab these diamonds. Exactly. And, you know, now it, it all feeds it all feeds the same pot as long as you do it well, you know. Um, have you gotten to witness, you know, you, you jumped on the scene in the early 90s on Living Color. Yeah. Um, how much, if at all, has the uh, situation for black actors in Hollywood changed since you first started? It's changed a lot. I mean, because back when I first started acting, I started acting in 81. I lived in New York for my first 10 years. God, you are old as shit. <laughs> I am, I would have never guessed that. I am. But uh, I'll put it like this. Dave Chappelle 
uh, he middled for me at Caroline's. He was 17, 18 years old. And you know the dude is smoking with everybody. Yeah, nice that Dave. Who is the other Dave? That guy's incredible. I was like, yeah, that's Dave Chappelle, man. Great. He's some kid who gives Yeah, yeah, shit. yeah. He's just, his, his comedy is amazing. But and anyway. that, that's what, mid-80s? <laughs> uh, yeah. It Late 80s? It had to be like in the 90s. Because okay, that okay. was when In Living Color just blew up. Maybe and 91. You got it. You started doing yeah, better paid gigs exactly. and Exactly. Right. I always loved coming to Her- Car- Caroline's. But... Yeah, Dave was there. Neil would hang out in the dressing room, and, you know, there they were. But um, how has it changed? What I was getting to is it used to be when I first started, Richard Pryor was a preeminent black comedian. He was doing the movie star thing, and he was the only one. Then maybe you had, you know, then Denzel came in, so it was Denzel, and he was locking that down. Richard Pryor stepped down. Eddie Murphy took it up, and there were usually only two People, usually men, you know, now it's much wider. Uh, Issa Rae, um, uh, Donald Glover, uh, I could go on. These are the ones I can remember right now because, you know, I'm old. And stuff. Kevin. Ke- well, Kevin Hart is killing it. Right. I mean, he's- I mean, you know you're famous when you're doing shows about being famous. That's all he, he Kevin The gold is- standard. <laughs> right. Number one. <laughs> Staying on top, you know. Uh, yeah, he's huge i mean he's he's killing it. a lot of people on and and it seems especially television is really rich you know scandals ending its run but there's so many um what what are some other ones what was that one? i mean you're on, on a, you're Oprah, on a, you're uh, a queen sugar uh that that's what i can remember right now but there are a lot of avenues to answer your question that is what has changed so you're not you know before it was like Key people, exactly who are you Right. Who are you? Well, we're looking for Denzel for the serious or Richard Pryor for funny or Eddie Murphy. There was no in-between. There was no come up between those. Now there's all this other stuff. Also, the ability to create and control your own message. You know, think back when, you know, when Prince, when he released his first album online, everybody was like, that's too bad. You know, ain't nobody gonna yes, lie. Yeah. But he he was saw saw the future. I mean, he knew what it was. Yeah, look, Chance the rapper who is like killing it, uh, all on his own terms and controlling his destiny, uh, defining himself to others. No longer beholding to a record company or a, a, a corporation saying we see you as this. You know, why don't you put this suit on? Well, it, it's a good transition into what you've been working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Carmichael show. Yes. Um, which, is is this really ending? Is he really walking away from yeah, it? Yeah, it's done. It's not that he walked away from it. It was canceled, okay? I mean, I know everybody on the, on the internet, people just start blowing oh, up. Oh, yeah. I, so he walked away? Me. I mean, he just said, you know, I'm done? Either way, it, it's like this. You know, they took us off for over a year. They dumped all the uh, episodes in the middle of summer. I mean, that's it's a dysfunctional relationship. You know what ah. I mean? That's like being with a girl like, yeah, we together, but I can't see you for a year. God. Your relationship's in trouble. Okay, so because uh, on the outside, let me on the outside, and he uh, and Gerard's a friend of mine. He was mm-hmm. here recently. I, I just you know it just looks like how he's killing it, right? And I'm mm-hmm. so mind blown by, and and regardless of how it ended, it doesn't matter. He still accomplished this. The fact mm-hmm. that he got that show is unbelievable, right? At the stage yes. in his career to get a show named after you on primetime network TV. Yes. So I get so caught up in that being amazing mm-hmm. that you're not necessarily as a consumer thinking about like, well, when are they airing the shows? Are they really putting their their resources That's into the business. it? That's the business. That's the business, right? Of it, you know, and um, 
what you're pointing to, uh, it's much more involved uh, than the final product. You know, so that's why they say, why did it get canceled? I can't, I mean, I was surprised we got picked up this last time because it was really at the ninth hour uh, upfronts and uh, all the reporters kind of pressured um, NBC to pick us up because of our critical response and people really uh, uh, turned on to the show. So there's a lot of politics and, and, and corporate maneuvering that goes on beyond that. We had our uh, champions at NBC, but they just never valued this show, okay? As much How as did it get on in the it. first place, though? I don't know, man. I mean, I know that, you know, I met Gerard in 2008. Okay. I met him and Rel. I think I was hosting a... Uh, Lil Rel Howery. Right, right. Of course, who's now, who now you may know is like the star of Get, get Out. Get out! <laughs> get out! Don't ask me for advice. I told Jim Carrey, I was like, man, nobody gonna watch a movie of you acting crazy. I will, but nobody else will. You up. nailed it. You nailed it. Rel, what's up, man? It's not like you're gonna star in a movie and kill it, number one movie. It happened. It happened. Still there. <laughs> So, you know, we all met. I met those guys. And Rel and I actually talked online. He was like, yeah, I'd really love to work with you. I was like, yeah, step back, please. Step back. Excuse me. Maybe sometime. I'm... Just move. Move, 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 <laughs> move out my sight line. And so uh, here we are. Him and Gerard, we were all on the show. I'd heard about Gerard doing uh, a, a show. Then I read the script and I was like, well, I want to do this. And when I went into audition, I saw Loretta Devine coming out. I knew her from Dreamgirls because, mm -hmm. you know, we were on Dreamgirls on Broadway back in 83, 84. And I was like, man. And I kept calling my agent after I auditioned, going like, did they hire Loretta? And they were like, they're not saying, they're not saying. I kept calling. I was like, what's up? We finally read together. We all got uh, got on the show. And it was gold. It was money. So it was good from there. But to stay on for three seasons was an accomplishment because yeah. each at each interval, you're fighting for your position. That's what people don't understand. You know, to keep on, to stay on, not get canceled, to be presented in the right way, um, and for Gerard to maintain his voice, which he did. He did. On I mean, his terms, you know, it's everything I just said, throw that out the window because we're all working for NBC. They are a corporation. They do control and decide a lot, but you can still decide your own fate because for the first time now with Twitter and Instagram and all that, we communicate directly with our fans. The fans come back at us. We all together can go at any any corporation, any politician. We've all seen it work. Of course. You know, so uh, there is power in that. And when I talk to young actors and artists is don't abuse that power. Use that power. I mean, that this is awesome. You have an opportunity to define yourself to others as opposed to people saying, I only see you as this. You know, right. So. Right, you have an, that, that's a really good way of putting yeah. it because I, I, I often am so down on social media and stuff, but that is a really good point. It does give you the opportunity to constantly build who you are and give yeah. it directly to people. Yeah, I mean, the the guilty crack of uh, social media, you know, Rob Kardashian in Black China, I was like, what? Oh, my God, I'm too old for this. What? He did what now? He said, oh, my God, I'm too old. $100,000 for what? Oh, my God. You know, that's fun. It's right. That's the down. That's the, that's the low That's the low budget cheeseburger part of it. But there is a better, there is at least like a turkey BLT. Yeah. Right? That you can show your brand. Yeah. And um, now, real quick, uh, just going back in your life, you mentioned Jamie Foxx earlier. Uh, how many of the, of, of the cast members from A Living Color did you stay tight with over the years? You know, it's like um, doing, uh, going to college or growing up. You know, the Wayans are always family. Uh, Marlon's show is about to come on NBC. Yeah. Very as excited. As soon for as we were canceled, he was the first person to hit me up. 
Uh, and, you know, uh, but I will be pro- promoting his show as well because that's my boy. He's family. I want people to watch his show. I wish him success. I hope he succeeds. And um, Marlon's been killing it the last five years. Yeah, man. I'm like, did you get a diagnosis, man? Because you're working like uh, you got six months to live, bro. No, no, no. It's funny you say that <laughs> because you, I, you say diagnosis. I say, um, uh, man, maybe that's the right word also. I told him, I was like, yo, you've changed. In the last two years, he calm the fuck down yeah he well, focused grew he grew it, but like it happened it happened to like i was telling him last time he was here i was like i'm really proud of you because i'll tell you the truth mm-hmm. when you when marlon used to be on the calendar to come in <laughs> i would kind of be like oh fuck uh, this he's gonna yeah. sean's gonna be here sean's not gonna be able to get a word in edgewise marlon's gonna be jumping off the fucking ceiling and like some of it'll be funny but some of it'll be so hard to even right. do that it's hard to, to to put it and now it's like not only did he change in this personal way, but professionally, he's so focused and his stuff exactly. he's doing so good. Exactly. He focused that energy. I mean, for 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 one, Marlon has always been amazingly talented. I'll tell you a quick story. When he was really young, he came to LA and he was like sitting on his sister Kim's floor and he said, Look, man, this is when they were doing Batman, the second Batman. He said, Man, if I could meet Tim Burton, I know I could be cast as Robin. So Kim and then we're all like, man, are you crazy? Ain't gonna have no black Robin. What's wrong with you? He said, no, I know I could do this. If I meet him, I know I could do this. Long story short, he gets a meeting with Tim uh, Burton. He's cast as Robin. And what happened was the part of Robin was written out of that movie. But what I'm saying is this is a dude who manifests his belief. It happened. That has been Marlon from day one. That is such a crazy... I'm climbing this mountain, you dig? So it all the stuff he said was going to happen, happened. And it's not because he said it, it's because he did that hard work, you know? And uh, out of all the wins, Marlon would never did stand-up. We used to tease him about it because we were all out there grinding, you know, since... I think I started in 87, me, Keenan, Damon, everybody, Kim too. Uh, Marlon never did stand-up. He was a straight actor. And uh, when I saw him recently, like last year when he was first starting up his show... I said, man, why are you working so hard? Because he'll go big, small, I don't care. You know, Dinglings, Comedy Club, and Syasa, he don't care. He's doing it. He said, man, I'm trying to catch up because we've all been doing it for, yep. for 12 years. And he took it really, years. he took that part of the craft really seriously. Yeah. And that just takes time on stage. I'm sure if people say, well, how do I get into radio or whatever, it takes a lot of it is just time on that right. mic. And if, you, and if you didn't get that time, then uh, you, you can't fake it. Um, I'll, I'm gonna throw a few more names at you and just mm-hmm. and just tell me if and what your relationship is out of curiosity. Uh, the rest of the Wayans, oh, Damon, I can't stand him. They attack me. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no, he's bad. Uh, uh, we listen, man. My mom passed away a few months ago. I'm sorry to hear that. It's all right. She was 95 and a half. You know what? I mean, she uh, she had a hell of a run. I, you know what I'm saying? The only people that came to that funeral were ex-slaves. <laughs> she was old. <laughs> <laughs> she, she made it off the plantation. You're foul. May, she, may she rest in peace. But the point is, all the Wayans called me, man, immediately uh, because we're family like that and so much love. And uh, so Damon's out there, you know, after his show, he's living easy. Oh, you know, he, yeah. does I mean, he, he does more comedy. shows for fun now. Yeah, 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 yeah. My daughter's nine, so trust me, tonight, tomorrow, and the next night, I'm grinding for real. Right. So you got to keep going. So all is, that, is this how many kids do you have? Just one that I know of. Why you? I just, um, okay, because the cameras on me, they're not on you. They can't see your face. Yeah. Uh, I, I talk, heard... Can you? Can we? No, no, no. Just the one. I think it's just the one. You don't want uh, you want to. You get somebody coming. No, 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 no. Okay, cool. Um, what about what about Jim? You ever talked to Jim Carrey? Yeah, man. When I was in 
uh, New York when I was living here doing uh, Porgy and Bess a few years ago. Jane, Jim came. We had lunch, and uh, it was fun. It was always fun seeing Jim. And I think when we were, we also were honored by foreign living color. I mean, I was sitting next to fly girls. I didn't even remember them. They were like, you don't remember me, David? I'm like, oh, really? You, you might have smashed. Middle-aged black lady, I don't remember you. <laughs> Middle-aged you know? black. She was like, yo, you meet my grandkids. She's like, I'm a fly girl. <laughs> exactly. They used to call me BB. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> no, but uh, everybody came. Jim came. When they start, when they talked about relaunching in living color, me and Jim were talking about it. We all were down, and it just Jim fought. too. Yes, man. Jim Carrey was down. <laughs> yes, we talked about it, and he said, "Yeah, I'll do it. I was going to do it. Everybody was going to do it, and it just it didn't come together." You would think that the second Jim Carrey says, "I'm down," the whole thing, someone was like, "We're figuring this shit it, out." It wasn't us. Let me just put it like that. It was Fox. I mean, they they did mishandled it. What about uh? What about, almost came together? What about Jamie? Uh, I see Jamie. I mean, you know, I saw, I guess it's like this. We run into each other when we run into each other. I, I saw him, like, uh, when Rihanna played the Barclays Center. Is that ever what it's called? Barclay. Barclay. Yeah, Barclay Center. Um, at the airport. Whenever. Whenever we see each other, it's, it's love. love. Yeah, it's right. beautiful. It's never like, don't, uh-uh. No, here you go. Oh, man, here you go. Which one do you hate, though? Sean? Sean Wayne? There's a Kim? <laughs> no, no, everybody. That knows. white, the white girl? Who Kelly Colfield? Exactly. No, she came. Yeah. She came. Everybody. She showed love too. Whenever I do a show, Takia, Takia, uh, she came. Everybody comes. We're all good. Um, what about? Uh, tell me about Boomerang. Boom yes, sir. Boomerang's my. I think I got into a conversation yesterday. Mm -hmm. On my, I do another uh, a sports talk radio show. My co-host was saying how he watched Raw the other night and was saying what happened mm -hmm. to Eddie. And I said, listen, let me be clear. Eddie, he he acted like the Eddie story ended at eighty nine. I said, okay. hold on, hold on. Let's talk about Harlem Knights. Let's talk about Boomerang. Let's talk about Nutty Professor. I'm not saying everything's the same as it was from 83 to 89, but that was no. a very unusual run. But in there, you have some amazing movies like Boomerang. To me, mm -hmm. my favorite rom romantic comedy of all time. Mm -hmm. How big was that movie? Bowfinger. I, love, I mean, I know, here's I the deal that people don't I know. I Spy was good, by the way. I mean, I'm just In Hollywood, there was an article I read that more than any other star, Eddie has keeps getting shots or keeps getting these huge movies and they're saying why because the common knowledge in hollywood is that at any moment eddie murphy is fully capable to put in an oscar worthy performance you understand when you say fall off a lot of other actors they it's like tiger woods once you miss that mojo they never regain it but eddie is like that okay he can he can Peel off that amazing performance. I forget. Was it Mr. Dream Church? Girls. And he did. Uh, oh, he was so brilliant in Dream, Dream Girls. He should have won that Oscar. Right. You never know when he's and and here. So here's what I want to ask. Mm -hmm. You know, listen. Obviously, you're at a very you're a very accomplished actor. You've had an amazing career that most would dream of when they go to Hollywood. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you're a regular guy. You're not. You're a celebrity, but you ain't Eddie Murphy. You know That's what I'm saying? That's just who I am. That's who I've. Well, always but you've always been. carried yourself that way too. Right. Never but, had a crew. But Eddie's Eddie. Yeah. Right, like you know, what I'm saying it's like it's like I love I I, I deem and hope one day I'm an all time great in radio. Howard's Howard Stern. Eddie yes. Eddie Murphy's Eddie Murphy. He's a yes. he's it's a different thing altogether. He's always been there. Way I'll tell you a quick story. You know, I went to Eddie's uh, wedding. This when he got married to Nicole. I think. Okay. You know the plaza. Everybody's there, and so the plaza here. <laughs> yeah, this okay. is way back. This is way back. It's a big, huge wedding. You know. And I'm there, I'm talking, and one of Eddie's boys, you know, one of his bodyguards go, oh, Eddie's in the other room. He would love to say hi. I said, cool, man, let me get over there. He goes, unfortunately, you have a blue uh, 
wristband you need a gold one. I was like, at the uh, wedding? Okay, okay. Can I just? Sorry, dog. But I told him you said hi. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> all right. Well, have a good wedding. Yeah, tell him I'm in the third row, man. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's Eddie, man. So what? What in, in when you did Boomerang, which yeah. I'm guessing you shot in '91. It came out in '92. '92, '92, and it came out '93. One of those. You gotta, you gotta check. I think it came out '92. Something like that. Because yeah, I know I was doing in Living Color. Keenan didn't really tell Fox. This is how cool he was. He said, "Look, man, as long as you get back by this and this time." Um, just go do the movie. So okay, right. I would fly, I would rap in Living Color, take, uh, it was called MGM Grand back in the day, you know, this private, semi-private airline. They would fly us back and forth. So they flew me back and forth, and I was doing them both at the same time because I literally left the set to do the halftime special, and then I flew back. And when I left the hotel, we were at the Riga Royal, mm -hmm. all the bellmen, and all the doormen were lined up, and they were like, you better be funny. And I was like, ooh, man, this is serious. So I went out, did the show, and came right back, and we continued filming. I mean, yeah, that was nice. That, I mean, yeah, the fact that, that, that well, that just shows also that Keenan wanted you to win and knew what that could be. Yeah. What was, um, I, I, I want to ask this, without being offensive to Eddie, was he a normal guy? Like, like yeah. when you're on set with him working, it's his movie, you know, he, he that, that, that was his baby, uh, Boomerang. Yeah. What was he like to work with? Here, here's what he was like. You know, the scene when we had the family scene and Oh, uh, you're so good in that, by the way. You're it and was you're a just tribute to Eddie. Because my, my my part as written in the script was really nondescript. He was just the best friend, Bernard or whatever his name was, I forget. And um, so I'm sitting there as we were filming that scene. I said, What would be the most embarrassing to happen to you? Your parents do a quickie in the bathroom. So I go over and I whisper to Eddie. Eddie fell out laughing. Then I saw him walk around the room and tell Warrington Hudlin, who is a producer. Mm -hmm. Warrington fell out laughing. Then I saw Warrington and Eddie go over to Reggie Hudlin. Gerard, by the way. Yes, Gerard. What did I say, Bernard? I was close. Close. You're close. But wait, I mean, so they go tell Reggie, and uh, they set up for this scene, and we could never get it right because Eddie kept laughing during the take after take. So I figured it didn't work. It won't be in the movie. He, what I'm getting to is he did all of that on the spot. It wasn't to serve me. It was because it was really funny to serve the movie. It was Eddie knew, Eddie had seen Reggie Hudlin's uh, class project from college. He'd seen every movie I'd ever done. He tried to come see me do Shakespeare in the Park. He is fully, he is not about the BS. He is fully knowledgeable, brilliant, um, and giving you an opportunity because he knew that if I make you funny, it's going to make this film funnier. A lot of people don't think like that. A lot of people think, I want his line. What did he just say? Yeah, I want that pop. Yeah. I want that. I want because I've time. heard it. You've seen I've that happen. I've seen it. Oh, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah, that line's Where we rehearsed it. Well, go ahead, man. Go ahead and riff. Do your thing now. You go to the trailer. You come back 10 minutes later. That's their line. That quote-unquote star has all your lines. Really? Okay? Oh, yeah. I've seen it. I've no, been Eddie, there. Eddie set you up. You looked, you, or oh, yeah. you let you shine, I should say, because. Absolutely. First of all, on that part, I mean, mm -hmm. the way you act when you're like, <laughs> man, they in there fucking. Hey, hey, man. And it was about a five, ten minute. We improv all the way down the block. It was two two blocks of improv. Me and, <laughs> and, and John, and I think her name was BB. We just kept going at and it. And man, and, and that scene, um, you know, for a guy who worked really hard for a long time. That's the scene that made John Witherspoon. 
Amen. That, from that he's moment still on, still doing it every night. Bang, 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 bang. But the whole day, he's like, I can't believe they got me being your daddy, David. I'm ten years older than you. I was like, Well, I'm not. You know, <laughs> talk to Eddie, man. Why are you yelling at me? But anyway, that was Eddie, man. He was real cool. He said, Man, come hang out at the house. I'm just not good at like you know, hanging with real famous people. I'm just not. You know, that's not really my thing. I loved Eddie though. It was really cool. Me, me and Martin. Hanging on Bubble Hill, you know, back in the day and all that. It was nice. It was cool. it's, but it's just such an... Where does it rank in terms of things you're proud of that you've been a part of? Well, because people continue to talk about it, uh, that's the greatest joy. You know, because you got to think, in Living Color, we had cell phones, but I think I had like 20-minute talk time on my cell phone. Right, it was right. all like, let me call you back. Let me call you back. Let me get, let me get to the landline. Now, I, I, I last time I did a play, I was in a, uh, it's like all the men had one dressing room, all the women had another. All the dudes, everybody there had their computers right there at their uh, table. Everybody had queued up their favorite uh, sketches from In Living Color at a press of a button. Technologically, I couldn't foresee that. There was no YouTube. There was no... People will revisit your work over and over again. Yeah, right. so I thought when when... When In Living Color went off, I really, I remember telling my agent, I said, well, may, I can headline for maybe 18 more months, then I'll go play a, you know, doctor or lawyer on some show, you know, Jerome. He's the Negro doctor. We'll talk to him. You know, that's what I'd be doing. I had no idea that there are kids now who are uh, watching Living Color. They were too young to see it when it first came I want to hear more about Jerome the doctor, <laughs> what he would well, be. Well, look, if you can find it, I played Dr. Ken Nolan. On, uh, what was it? Uh, not General Hospital. It was, you know, Angie and uh, what was it called? What, this is mid-80s? Yeah, man. It was called, shoot. Guiding Light. No, not Guiding One Life to Live. No. One Life to Live. Uh, one of those, man. But it was the black storyline where I was trying to, you know. As the world turns. I, I forgot now, man. It was that long ago. What did he sound like, Dr. Ken? I was like, I'm here for Angie, you know. I just want to see Angie. We got in a big fight, and the dude beat me up, and I, was, I wasn't killed off. That's how I was killed off. I did, like, six or seven episodes, and I went on to do other stuff. But, you know, in the day, I was like, man, I got this soap opera, man. Oh, yeah, I was excited, man. Man, you've had, you've had a— One life to live. That's a big one. One life to Check live. That I think that's what it was. One life to live. Something like that. Um, also, I think I told you this last time I saw you, but you know how hard I used to laugh every time at you on the rowing machine? I oh, fucked him up. If it was. <laughs> well, that, first of all, who's doing a rowing machine now? Back in the day. Oh, the rowing machine was everything. Hey, it was, man. Back in the day, it's like, you got a rowing machine? Oh, my God. Let me come over to your house, man. Do you get excited every time you hear this still to this day? <laughs> that scene when you guys all hug it out on the roof. Like well, that scene was all about the Empire State Building. All lighting up. Exactly. Because Reggie said, look, it's going to light up at this point. So we all had to be there. We waited, and they had it all timed out. Did so they set it up? Start. That was the thing that yes, they did? Yes, yes, they set it up, as, as I remember, because it was all about that. PM Dawn, baby. Sitting in Bubble Hill with Eddie. They were there, too? No, but they were, they were listening. Like, he was doing his album then. And uh, so I listened. I, PM Dawn, I think, uh, uh, collabed with Eddie on that album that he did at the time. You know, he had this big, huge studio. And we were sitting there listening to the album. And it was like, PM Dawn, I loved PM Dawn. Man. By the way, PM Dawn got a lot of heat in the time that I, and I always say this, people think I'm crazy. PM Dawn sure did a lot of things that Drake does now and is the mm -hmm. hottest thing ever. I'm not saying Drake sat there listening to PM Dawn, but they were on this like 
smoothed out R&B-ish hip-hop vibe, but it was, it was so really cool. good. It was so cool. Remember the big dude? Yeah. And PM John, he, the Dookie braid never got longer than two inches. He yeah, tried. Prince, Prince, he, uh, mm. I want to show respect because yeah. I think, uh, let me see, I'm, I'm looking at PM Did he pass right. away? I think he did. Yeah. I think he passed away in the last couple of years, actually. Yeah. But those guys were so ahead of their time. That album, loved that album. The Boomerang song tra soundtrack was amazing. Oh, the Boomerang soundtrack, I mean, it's got... Joints on there. I mean, you want to talk. Hold on. Let me get their. Let me get their names right, so I don't feel like a disgrace. Um, how are you gonna have the name of the group and not instantly have the so, members under? This is why the world is in peril now. Prince B. Yes, Prince thank you, B. Prince B. Were they from New York? And Prince B passed away in 2016. May he rest in. They peace. were from New Jersey. They were from Jersey City. Yo, PM. Um, they, and they were brothers. PM Don was the truth, man. And then, Oof. and then, um, some other songs. If you if you didn't know that made the um, that were on the soundtrack to that movie. Hot sex on a hey, oh, oh! I got you guys a club moment. Club moment. Club moment, baby. Two things happened. I was in a club and Q Tip was uh, DJ, and he's like, "Ladies and gentlemen, David Allen Greer is here." I was like, "Oh shit, that's still good." What's up, man? What's up? It was beautiful. Oh, just beautiful getting a shout-out from Q-Tip. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. Hold man. on. That's not, that's not it, though. Oh, is it not in here? Hold on. Let me see if it's... Because a lot of people don't remember. This was the... there. This is was so rare, I think, in my opinion. A moment when a line from a movie... Tell me if you know where I'm going here. <laughs> basically sets off a, a singer's career. Mm. Because your love interest, sadly, you... And, and, I, and, and something I related to way too well. I related way too well to, like, you deserving Hallie. And she, yo, how real was that, though? The sweet the girl. The sweet girl and the sweet guy. And you're just mm. stuck in that friend zone. And she wants the playboy. <sighs> yeah, man. Yo, br by, by the way, deep. Hallie was awesome. I mean, oh, here it is. she's the only one. She looks better today than she did in 92. How is that possible? No, listen, I want to tell you one thing. Hallie looks incredible right now. But I don't know if I can go that far well, because no, no, her cuteness level. There was a, there was a, the the hair was brand new. We hadn't yes. seen that yet. You know yes. what I mean? I love Hallie now. I love her. I love her forever. But there was something about that look. And by the way, this is in the video for this song. This is what launched Tony Braxton's career. And then taking a step Braxton, further, man, and then Tony Braxton had the same haircut. You know, I'm sick and tired of men using love like it's some kind of disease you just catch. Love should have brought you home last night. Love should have brought you Hey! And this is Tony Braxton's career made off of this. Don't worry. I'm a, I, you know, I thought all this up. Yo, you did such a good I job creating this, this movie, man. <laughs> um, no, I love Eddie Murphy, man. He's, like, brilliant. And do you also remember that? Do you remember another song? Last one. Last, and we'll move on. Also from the Chris sound? Rock was in there, man. Come on. But, Eartha Kitt. Chris Rock was The career highlights. He goes, David, give me something funny to say. <laughs> really? I need another line. <laughs> I, like, I ain't working for you. I'll try this. I was like, giving her, giving her alternate lines. Damn, I forgot Chris Rock, too. <laughs> and this Jeffrey is Jeffrey Holder. Where, Grace Jones. Grace they Jones. all worked at the company, man. The ad company. Grace Strong Jones. Strong Jay. Yes. Grace Jones is real cool. Did you uh what was what was she like? Who gets to talk to Grace Jones? I do, man. Grace Jones is so down to earth and so grounded and normal and real, uh, which you wouldn't expect because she's always over the years had this outlandish over the top persona. Oh yeah. But one on one, Grace Jones was real cool, man. I met her in the club like years before that and she was always 
just straight up real. Did you did you think at one point in your career this would be the biggest thing? It would never get bigger than this? Men on films. <laughs> That's very black, though. You gotta pause real quick, baby. Men on films. What's up with black people and pluralization? We just want to give you more. Gerald's, Gerald's and them. Daniel and your little shows and what you're doing on the radios and things with your microphones. Six Flags Great Adventures. Six Flags is great adventures. You always S's. Put some more S's on there, man. Welcome to Men on Film. We're going to be reviewing the latest film from a male point of view. First up is that controversial movie, Do the Right Thing. Now, I really like little Spike Lee's courage in making this <laughs> little film. Little Spike Lee's courage? Right, Spike Lee didn't like that. He didn't? No, nah, man, we were going back and forth, man. But it's all smooth over now. I know well, why, well, why didn't he like, he didn't like you guys even talking? Because he just was like, he wanted to be black, strong, 24-7. It's no joking matter. This is a revolution, man. We're warriors out there. We can't play. We can't smile. We can't wink. We can't do nothing. It's all about in them trenches, you know. And you were like, yes, we appreciate that, but we but, but everyone's talking about this movie. We do yeah. need to snap. You right. Know, we're having fun. I now, mean, do it you, was a sketch show. Come on. Do you, when you look back on skits like Men on Film, mm -hmm. do you, it, is it one of those things that you're sort of like, I can't believe we did that? Or do, yes. you, or do you think, but do you think it, do you think it was offensive? It never came from a, a, a place of offensiveness because the whole point was, uh, these characters felt good about who and what they were and their gayness, and it was all positive. You know, it would be different if you had some straight character in, in some way denigrating them. So that's where, where our point of view is from. But, you know, it can be argued, and it was, then and now that uh, this was an over-the-top stereotype and it did not help the gay community. I understand and uh, empathize and that feeling, okay, sure. that feeling, and it is totally legitimate. Also, we were not, are not a member of that community, yet it's all about appropriation, cultural, and all that. I mean, that's the conversation now. You think? That's the conversation now. I can tell a black joke. You can't. I can't. You know, the, all that kind of stuff. Right, so does so, that make it different? Does two straight guys making... Of course it does. I mean, you know, to some members of the gay community. Now, as I remember it, uh, younger, younger viewers, younger gay viewers, younger viewers of the community uh, were totally down with men on film. Uh, older, more conservative gay men and women were like, no, that's foul. So, but, you know, back then you had to call the station or write a letter or send a fax. There was no Twitter. There was no Facebook. But isn't it funny? You know? Isn't it funny that you'd think? As progressive thinking people, mm -hmm. you would think that I would and you would, maybe you disagree with me, mm -hmm. would be like, well, isn't it great that today it's so easy to do it? But ultimately it's like, no, because the outrage ends up being false. Yes. Whereas back then you had to actually offend someone to the point that they were willing to write a letter. And that is what it should be. Yes. You, If you're going to go for someone's career, you should at least be willing to take the 10 minutes to write a letter. As now, opposed to press about, how dare you? How dare you? That's it. And now, and then the trend starts, mm -hmm. and it's like, well, hold on. No one's even thinking. They didn't even watch it yet. They're just jumping on your hashtag. Y'all would have gotten lit up today yes. for this. Yes. And ultimately, it would have been like, gay yes. people would have probably watched it. I'm like, well, oh, it's, it's actually pretty funny. So it's, I don't know. I mean, I can't speak on that. I just know back in 90, 91, 92, that's what we did. It was always from a place of love, but I understand. Well, it's not, like watching, it's not like watching Delirious. 
Like, <laughs> yeah, right. You well, go no, back. That's what I mean. We weren't coming like no. that. And I. And by we the way, I love like Delirious that. and Raw. But if you watch Delirious, there are moments where you will go. It's a little hard to watch in yeah, 2017. There is some homophobia there. That's oh, that's uh, tough. Yeah. yeah, man. But one of the things I loved is that you know originally when those sketches, when that sketch Men on Film was written, these movie titles were made up. They were written by the writers, and um, somewhere in the rehearsal process, we thought it was much funnier and more subversive to take a movie that was quote unquote had no gay theme in it and we implied all of it because that's <laughs> right. what made it even more so really, we see what you're doing right, you know right, all right, these right. men together in the, the trenches all fighting sweaty and you know <laughs> right, that, right. that's what made it even funnier so so that's kind of how we did it back then okay what we did then is what we did right, right. You, it's hard it's 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 a, it is a very dude it's crazy i go back to even listening to Podcast that me and Cipher did ten years ago, and I've you, always been very you in progressive. Violation, man. Y'all clearly were off no, the rails. You know? no, exactly. You should have been checked. You know. Thank How you. dare you? No, no, completely. <laughs> um, uh, before we let you get out of here, this weekend again, uh, Caroline's all weekend. There are still some episodes left of Carmichael Show, right? Yes. This thing we ain't did, over. I, I I think we're on like episode four or five or something. We did thirteen, so they're so, still coming weekly, uh, and uh, still watch. I mean, you know. Still Support to the, the end. They're cover, yes. You guys are covering some amazing things. Mm -hmm. Has it been hard for you? What's been your... I mean this mostly as a fan. Obviously, those mm -hmm. who were most affected were the people who were personally affected. But I think it's very uh, tough for comedians who grew up loving Bill Cosby yeah. to sort of go through what's what's happened. And obviously, yeah. no one's worried about the, the feelings of comedians. Right. But separately, it is a weird thing because I'm mm -hmm. guessing he was at some point influential on your life. He was a mentor to me, man. I mean... Oh, personally? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, and um, so that is a capacity I knew Mr. Cosby, Dr. Cosby in, and he was really... I remember having lunch at Bill Cosby's Brownstone. This be, you know... In Philadelphia? This is, no, this is in, uh, in Los... I mean, I'm sorry, in New York City. Okay. Damon Wayans and I. And, wow. and this was... Such an incredible afternoon. I, I said this before. I remember in the moment going, I wish people, the world, could see and experience this person that is before me. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know uh, until later, you know, all these accusations. And I'll just put it like this, man. If 50 people tell you I did anything, believe it, okay? If they tell you I ate a baby, 50 people. 50? 50 They people. don't even know each other. 50 people! That means you got to take 20 out that are crazy. Right. Take another 10 that are lying. That still leaves 20. Okay? So I'm just saying. How hard? It, it so was, was that tough for you to, to when you first heard it? Well, like I mean, look, you know, Bill Cosby is not my dad. He's not my mother. He's not, you know, he was an influence. I saw him when I was 12 years old. But don't put your faith in the flesh, okay? Because we're human beings. You will always be let down. This man is a flawed human being, and we have to deal with that honestly and in a real, uh, uh, from a real point of view. These accusations came. It seems to be some foulness, and it has to be dealt with like that. So I'm not an apologist. I'm not explaining away anything. I, my heart goes out to these women who are victims, okay? And that's where the focus should be. And it is what it is. I, mean, I respect that answer big time. Yeah. Do you want to use this opportunity mm -hmm. to just tell people about the most foul things you've done? Woo! So if they were looking up to you, they won't mm. be disappointed. Well, they're going to find out. So you okay. know, good enough. Uh, that, that was pre-Twitter. So you got to find the, stuff written on tablets. <laughs> an abacus. <laughs> exactly. There's a, I've heard tell. You know, but, David uh, Allen Greer's <laughs> semen-covered 
Al- abacus has been found. <laughs> hey, man, I don't even do that. I was like seeing this girl. She said, I like to have sex in public. I was like, we could do it in my garage with the doors closed. No, let her open the crack. As public, <laughs> hey, that's as public as we getting. Because, no, nah, I'm trying not to get caught out there, bro. No, listen, well, you've, done a, you've done a great job not getting caught so out far. there. Yeah, so, so far. So far. So, and you've been famous for about 30 years. Right? So, you so know, pretty, far. Pretty well. You're looking tremendous. I'm trying to. What's the diet? What did you do to to look this I good? I just do a lot of speed, smoke some cigarettes. Okay. Eat bubble gum. Y'all, good you know, for you. You know, I ain't going to live long, but I'm going to look no, good. No, you look trim. I can't wait. I got wait. about 18 months of fabulousness. <laughs> no, I feel great, man. I feel great. David Allen Greer. Catch him on the Carmichael Show for another nine episodes. Check him at Caroline's this weekend, and then look for whatever amazing project he has next. Thanks for coming by, man. Absolutely. Anytime. Da- oh, hold on. No, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. No, no, no. No, no, no I got to go, man. I did a full rap. I pulled an Ebro. I did a full rap, and I, had, I forgot to ask you about Dag. When, yes. Did you ever get to talk? Well, don't make that face. Why are you making Dang, a sad that face? That was so painful, man. That show, doing that show. How long did Dag last? It lasted. It was 13. We did 13, and then we got canceled, but it was me. And I think we had one or two black writers, but every day was battle. Every day was battle, man. It was just trying to tell what was these... it? What network? NBC. NBC also. NBC. I mean, uh, this was in 99, I think, or 2000, and it was every day. Uh, Issa Rae touches on it a little bit, on Insecure, like, you know, at her job, trying to constantly explain. If you... Black folks know, when it's... When every day is a seminar on, see, what you just said is foul, okay? We can't, I can't do that. We can do it this way. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Every minute of the day when you're trying to, no, I can't, I can't put that on, and I can't, I can't say this joke. This is wrong. That's not how I, I think one of the things that's very difficult for uh, white people to understand, in my experience as a white, as getting to be, the white minority in a black workplace. I think people don't, white people could never understand that it's, they, they love to, people love to say, oh, well, I'm not racist. They don't understand it's not necessarily First about. First of all, when you get, when you, when you, I'm not racist, it's already a problem. Well, no, exactly. It's well, already don't, a problem. Don't, don't you in there going, ah, but, but not me though. No, I'm not. No, oh. I know. Hold on. So by the way, that's my favorite joke is that first of all, when you say I'm not racist, first of all, you're lying because you probably but, are. But yes. second of all, even if you're not, it's not about necessarily being racist or not. Mm. It's just about thinking about how someone else feels. Hey, People man. don't realize that, like, because their whole world is white. Like, oh, wait, there's a whole way of living by people whose existence here is inherently built differently than ours. Yes. And I'm just, 61 years old. Wow. I, I remember I that. showed uh I thought you were at least 70, 71 years old. But I you wish look, I could speak from my heart right now. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm no, but I'm saying, but I'm saying, like, I remember I was showing a friend this picture of him. I went to this private school as a little kid. It was like, there were like two or three black kids there. It was just us. So when when I see myself as a five and six-year-old surrounded by nothing but white kids, even at that young age, that is, see, that's something that most white people never experience. But black people, a lot of black people, most of our lives has been that. In educational, workplace, um, social situations in which you are constantly and forever the minority. So then already you're, you're, well, tell us, Jerome, tell us, Tommy, you know, what do all black people think? I don't know. You know, but that is, that is a normalcy for a lot of people of color that we just traverse. That's the world in which we traverse. And, and you it's will... changing, but that is it. But it's so slow. Go to an all, go to Africa, go to Jamaica. 
Go any place where it's all black people and you are the one or two white people. Then you will know in a nutshell what a lot of black people just know stat. Every day. And, that was, and that was the process of trying to make DAG happen. <sighs> it was. And it was just, uh, my thing is, at the end of the day, if we were working together, I'm just about that grind. That's what I will respect most about you. What are we willing to collaborate on? What are we willing to give up to contribute to make our project the best? Okay? I never go in, and I didn't, I didn't and I don't. I don't do that. I want the most lines. I want the most this or that. I'm going to eat all the food. The ship will sink, but my belly, belly will be full because that's a failure. So I don't work like that. I don't think like that. And I need to be surrounded by people like that. So let's make this the funniest show ever. That's why I'm so proud of the Carmichael show, because we got three seasons. Yeah, I wish we would have done twice as many shows. I wish we would still be on. But I stand by each and every episode we did. Proud of them. There's not one moment of that show where I'm like sitting in the car going, Ugh. you know, I got through that day. No, they're all Great, and I'm proud of someone. It. Someone said to me recently in a meeting, they said, uh, "If you're at a job in which you are not embarrassed of the work you're doing, you're proud of it, and right. you're having fun doing it, mm -hmm. the value to that it's invaluable. Yep. There's no, there's no getting offered more money somewhere else mm -hmm. that you wouldn't enjoy that w that can equal up to being proud of the work you do and enjoy enjoying doing it. It sounds yeah. cheesy, but it's so so true. It's such an elemental lesson. I was watching a video of. Uh, Steve Jobs on his deathbed. You know, he knew he was dying. So upbeat thing to do. It was a Friday or Saturday. Or well, morning. I just come from church and uh, my annual visit, by the way. <laughs> right, of course. No, but I um, mean, he basically was saying that. He said, you know, I have all the money in the world and it really, he basically said what you just said, you know, uh, uh, your integrity is more important than any of the money in the world. I know this because I have all this money. You know, if you if you don't feel good and proud of the work you're doing, if you're not doing something positive you know, that's enriching, then you shouldn't be doing it. You're not the first person mm. to compare me intellectually to Steve Jobs. I don't think I did that, sir. Thank you very much, David. I appreciate Negro it. Men in this David room, Allen sir, Greer, guys, ladies and down. gentlemen. Come on. He's at Caroline's guys, all Guys, don't leave weekend. me alone out here like this. <laughs> Tell this white man that he's crazy. <laughs> sir, you with the glasses. Oh, you pointing to him. He's behind you pointing to him. Uh, now he just turned away. See, that's See? sad. Mm. Hey, Dave, thank you, man. Yeah, man, anytime. Cheers.